This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The Russian-occupied nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia has been disconnected from Ukraine's grid, according to the International Atomic Energy Agency. The UN's nuclear watchdog said the plant is now relying on a reserve line. Russia and Ukraine blame each other for shelling near the plant, which has raised fears of a nuclear disaster. On Saturday, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, offered to mediate in the standoff. Germany announced a 65 billion euro, 64.7 billion dollar relief package to help households and companies withstand soaring prices. The plan includes discounts on public transport and tax breaks for energy-intensive firms. The chancellor, Olaf Scholz, said his government had made timely decisions to avert energy shortages this winter. German inflation was close to 8% in August, with prices running particularly high for groceries and energy. Ukraine's Prime Minister, Denis Shmyal, visited Berlin to solicit further help from Germany for his country's war effort against Russia, including more heavy weapons and air defense systems. Mr. Shmyal said that Ukraine was also expecting 5 billion euros, 4.9 billion dollars, in aid from the European Union this week, partly to help his country's people through the winter. Polls opened on Sunday for Chileans to approve or reject a new constitution. If they accept the change, it will replace the current one that was passed in 1980 under the military dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet. The new constitution would be one of the longest and most progressive in the world. Polls show, however, that support for the change has been falling. Hamas, the militant group that rules the Gaza Strip, executed five Palestinians on Sunday. Two of them had provided Israel with intelligence that led to strikes on Palestinian targets, Hamas authorities said. The other three had been convicted of murder. The executions were the first in the Palestinian territories since 2017. Human rights groups have criticized Hamas's court proceedings as well as the retention of the death penalty. Donald Trump called President Joe Biden an enemy of the state during a rally in Pennsylvania. The former president slammed Mr. Biden for the FBI's raid of his estate in Florida, calling it, quote, one of the most shocking abuses of power by any administration in American history. Mr. Trump was in Pennsylvania to promote two Republican candidates ahead of midterm elections in November. Sweden said it would provide liquidity guarantees to Nordic and Baltic energy companies ahead of a, quote, war winter. The guarantees will help firms meet the collateral requirements needed to trade electricity, which have risen because of surging energy prices. The announcement came after Russia said it would keep the Nord Stream 1 undersea gas pipeline shut beyond a three-day closure that was due to end on Saturday. And editor's note. The Economist is looking for a journalist to join its digital team in London. Applications close on September 18th. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Britain's new Prime Minister. The identity of Britain's next Prime Minister will be revealed on Monday, following a ballot of the Conservative Party's 160,000-odd members. The winner of the party's leadership contest will be announced. All the polling suggests Liz Truss, the current Foreign Secretary, will defeat Rishi Sunak, her rival, and thus become Prime Minister on Tuesday. Ms. Truss promises a big pivot in economic policy, 
with a package of deficit-funded tax cuts and a big hike to defense spending. She is not concerned that her proposals benefit the wealthiest. A focus on distributional effects over growth is to blame for Britain's low growth, she reasons. It is a political gamble. This winter, Britons will see their energy bills jump as a result of a Europe-wide energy crunch, while instinctively averse to what she calls, quote, handouts, on Sunday, Ms. Truss nonetheless promised that within a week of taking office, she would offer a package of help for people struggling to pay their bills. Tories may delight in her small state instincts, but most Britons expect something big and fast. Inflation Nation Turkey's economy grew by an eye-watering 7.6% in the three months to July, compared with the same period last year. So much for the good news. While many businesses, especially exporters, whose revenue comes in the form of foreign currency, have reaped the rewards of absurdly low interest rates, wage earners are struggling. The lira has lost 27% of its value against the dollar since the start of the year, and nearly 70% since 2020. The annual inflation rate has reached 76.9%, yet it may surge past 80% when Turkey releases new economic data on Monday. Galloping prices are one reason for the unusually high growth figures. To hedge against inflation, middle-class Turks have been spending their earnings and savings on consumer goods, bringing forward purchases they may not be able to afford later. That is hardly a model for sustainable growth. A slowdown is imminent. Kenya's Disputed Election Kenya's presidential election, held on August 9th, looked like one of the most transparent in the country's history. Not according to Raila Odinga, the loser, who says a convoluted conspiracy deprived him of victory. On Monday, Kenya's Supreme Court will rule on whether his allegations have merit. Kenyan judges are among Africa's most independent. In 2017, amid claims of vote rigging, they ordered a rerun of the last presidential election. This time, Mr. Odinga's lawyers have struggled to substantiate his claims that the Electoral Commission's servers were hacked to alter results in favor of his rival, William Ruto. But the judges could rule that there were sufficient procedural flaws to send Kenyans back to the polls, particularly since Mr. Ruto, the outgoing deputy president, barely won enough votes to avoid a runoff. Another rerun would test Kenya. By law, it would have to be held within 60 days, but a rift in the Electoral Commission, prompted by recrimination over the conduct of August's vote, means that the deadline would almost certainly be missed, pitching the country into a constitutional crisis and possibly violence. Christina Fernandez de Kirchner in the dock Last Thursday, a man tried to assassinate Christina Fernandez de Kirchner as she was heading back to her apartment. The gun failed to fire. He emerged from a mob of supporters who had spent days clustered on the pavement to demonstrate their support for the former president and current vice president as she faces corruption charges. On Monday, her court case begins. It will hear the defenses of 13 people accused of corruption, including Ms. Fernandez. She is accused of leading a criminal operation between 2003 and 2015, which involved doling out inflated public works contracts to a friend at the cost of around $1 billion to the state. The scheme is alleged to have begun during the presidency of Nestor Kirchner, Ms. Kirchner's deceased husband, 
and carried on under her two terms in office. The prosecutor has requested that Ms. Fernandez be jailed for 12 years and barred from public office. Ms. Fernandez denies all allegations. If she loses and appeals, the case could wind on for years. English football clubs look to conquer Europe. Europe's elite football competitions kick off this week. Over the past 10 seasons, English clubs have won the Champions League, Europe's most prestigious tournament, only twice. Yet this season, Manchester City, bolstered by the signing of Erling Haaland, Norway's prolific striker, are the bookies' favorite, and other English clubs are in the running too. For while football in the rest of Europe is still reeling from the pandemic, the English Premier League is in robust health. During the summer transfer window, which shut on September 1st, clubs spent a record 2.24 billion euros, 2.23 billion dollars, on new signings. That was close to the combined outlay by clubs in France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. Despite winning the league last season, Manchester City spent some 139 million euros targeting the Champions League, the one trophy that has eluded the club. English extravagance has been driven by the Premier League's growing revenues. Thanks to a new lucrative international broadcast deal, its clubs are expected to rake in more than 7 billion euros this season, nearly twice as much as their counterparts in Spain, the next richest league. Financial clout does not guarantee footballing glory, but it certainly helps. Daily Quiz. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which term is used for the set of cards received by a player in poker or bridge? Finally, Here's the quote of the day from Douglas Bader, who died on this day in 1982. Rules are for the guidance of wise men and the obedience of fools. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.